all right so quick update uh still in the process of getting this this nwtf chapter um off the ground here in new york city but um i'm having fun with it um you know like i've mentioned in past episodes uh got a great group of guys working with me on this leadership committee and um you know pretty much while we wait we're just getting familiar with all of the things that having a local chapter will or can do for you know our community um so case in point i've been looking into the nwtf's hunting and heritage programs so it's a it's a couple of different programs that are aimed at you know getting people out you know in the outdoors um but one that's really growing on me that's caught my eye is um the nwtf's jake's program now if you don't know what the jake's program is i'm going to tell you all right jake's is and i quote jake's is dedicated to informing educating and involving youth in wildlife conservation and the wise stewardship of our natural resources nwtf chapters provide youth ages 12 and younger chances to explore their outdoor world through fun events that help pass on the traditions of responsible hunting teach the principles of habitat management hunting ethics and safety um then the NWTF goes on to step it up a notch with Extreme Jakes, which is basically same program as Jakes, but it targets uh, youth ages 13 to 17. Can you imagine a youth outdoor hunting program like that in New York City? Um, I don't know if anything like that has ever existed before. If it has, I don't know anything about it um never heard anything of it um so i'd like to believe it's the the first of its kind of something well you know what what am i saying i'm bugging there is a program like that boy scouts <laughs> you know what i'm saying um uh, but i don't know what uh troops are out here in the city but it would be dope to help facilitate a program like jake's and extreme jake's here in the city you know what i'm saying um I get really excited just thinking about it. You know what I'm saying? Being able to mentor youth in the outdoors. So that's if needless to say, it's definitely a program I'm excited about establishing, getting off the ground with, with my leadership committee here. All right. So in the meantime, um, here's my intro music. hunting podcast hosted by a middle-aged black guy from new york city i'm your host cliff cadet was good y'all today my guest is a brother that i am uh serving on a leadership committee for this chapter of the nwtf and that is daniel ferraro what's going on dan what's up brother how you doing chilling chilling well thank you for for joining me i know you're in the middle of the work day uh, I'm on lunch myself, and we're both enduring this crappy weather, this rain and whatnot. Yeah, it's definitely a, a little uh, bad weather this weekend, looking even worse tomorrow. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's that's spring for you, right? <laughs> yeah, I know, right? All right, so 
Um, two, well, a couple of reasons I want to have you on is one, uh, uh, like I just mentioned, you are are serving on this leadership committee with me, uh, specifically as our secretary. And I've had both um, Dave and Angel on before. Um, so what I wanted, I wanted to have you on, you know, to, to have our listeners, to have people that are going to be, as we grow our membership around the city or as we get current members even of the NWTF familiar with our chapter, learn more about us. So tell me a little bit about yourself. Where are you from? So originally I'm from Yonkers, New York, born and raised. Um, I currently reside in White Plains, New York right now. My wife, uh, I've been living there probably about five years now, going on six, I want to say. Oh, nice. All right. So you're, you're just like, you're right outside the city. Like we like, just like Dave, uh, uh, basically, um, and your hunting experience, it seems like you, you have way more than me. Are, are you what, you know, they call now an adult onset hunter or is this something you've been doing since you were a kid? So I can't say as a kid, um, I started out probably around like 18, um, when my grandfather, uh, he passed away when I was young. Um, my grandmother had given me like his shotgun, a rifle and like pretty much all of like his hunting clothes and, and uh i went from there um so i, I was pretty much self-taught since i was 18. um so yeah later on obviously you know i grew more into um wanted to get out more and, and learn more but it started when i was like 18. oh wow okay so what weapon i mean you said your grandmother left you your grandfather's you know weapon. so it's safe to say you started hunting with firearms first yeah, so I um as soon as I jumped into like the outdoor world of hunting, that that's the only thing that I really was focused on at first. Um then I want to say maybe two or three years after that, um one of my best friends, uh Chris, who's hunted whose property who I hunt on um and started hunting on with, um he was he started getting into archery and I really wasn't into it at the at the time. I was kind of like, ah, you know, I want to just do, um, like hunting with just a firearm, but then it, it kind of limited to limited me in being in the woods longer than I wanted to. Cause you know, with rifle season, you're only are out there for a month from, you know, the week before Thanksgiving until like a couple, like a week or two into, uh, to December being that archery season opens up a full like month and a half earlier. I was like, you know what? It gets me more time in the woods. So I, I got myself a, a bow, which was actually funny. It was a hand-me-down from my buddy, Chris. Oh, wow. Okay. So your buddy, Chris, is is someone, that's that's your right hand when it comes to, to hunting then. Yeah, definitely. He's like one of the guys who I grew up with as like a little kid um, in the same neighborhood. And we've just been but like literally like brothers since so anytime like him and i are like you know focusing on the hunt season majority of the time him and i are together uh for obviously you know uh, a few times here and there we're not always like in the same you know same same place hunting but um majority of the time we are nice and where do you hunt primarily do you because the thing me personally i hunt westchester i well i'll buy you you know what I'm saying? Um, mainly because I bow hunt and Westchester is bow hunting only. So do you hunt in that area or do you have access to to other land further north? So uh, majority of my hunting is up in Delaware County. 
Um, his property is up in Sullivan County. It's called uh, Euland, New York. It's right outside of like Barryville. Not that many people actually know where it is, but uh, it's a s- small piece of property, holds decent amount of deer, uh, turkey, other various animals that we do hunt here and there sometimes. Uh, but I do primarily hunt a lot in Delaware County. Um, I have actually a, a family friend that has just about a thousand acres. Um, he has a farm that's up there. So he owns a lot of it and leases some. So there's a lot of a lot of land that I can get up and go into and, you know, really do my scouting and my hunting and stuff. Nice, nice. And is it, yeah. it's not on, it's private though, correct? It's not public land. That's up there. Yeah, no, it's private. private. Um, I, to be honest, I don't really, um, I don't really hunt a lot of public land. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've, I've hunted in Westchester on, on private land for the last two years. Um, I'm, I'm actually, uh, I actually lost that spot. It's no longer for me to be able to use, but, um, mm-hmm. I've only hunted on, on public land. I can say maybe, a, maybe two or three times. Um, just for the fact that it's, uh, one of those things where majority of the time it, it's, uh, either, either overly used or very pressured. Um, and then there's just some spots that, you know, you see that is like on, on X that says, oh yeah, this is DEP watershed. And then you pull up and it's not accessible. You know, I thought maybe, oh, I hit the glory hole, you know? Mm. So, you know what, let me ask you this question and it's, I haven't asked this of, uh, any of my guests actually, um, when I find out that they hunt both public and private, um, sometimes there there's a, a contingent within the hunting community who who kind of like look down on people who do it on private. You know what I'm saying? Who hunt on private land. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because they feel like if you're not doing it on public, then you're not really doing it right. Period. What what? I'm not trying to put you on the spot or whatever. Mm-hmm. But what's your thoughts on it? Uh, I mean. It's kind of hard to even have a thought. I mean, yeah, I mean, listen, public is definitely one of those uh, where like, you know, you can go in and, you know, hit hit the luck of a draw and like on a giant or, you know, mm-hmm. uh, definitely score on a turkey or, or whatever it may be. Uh, private, on the other hand, you know, I, I do the whole thing, man. I do, uh, you know, throw and grow. We do some food plots. Um, I, I hang a bunch of stands, I do cameras, you know, et cetera. Oh, wow. But just because, yeah, just because I'm on, on, um, private land, you know, sometimes I go a season without even, you know, harvesting an animal. And that's just because of actually the restrictions that limit me to that buck, which is like a majority, actually every, every property I hunt on has the three antler restriction. So, you know, I let a lot of deer walk and it's not just because of, you know, I'm, I'm like that trophy hunter or, you know, you say, but, you know, there's a lot of times where there's a four pointer or a spike or, you know, a small basket six that I'm like, ah, you know what, I'll give him another year because of the fact that, uh, he's, uh, (laughs) you know, he just, he just grew his other, you know, other, other time. So, uh, I, uh, I guess when it comes down to that, yeah, I guess public, you know, you, you, you can take what you get, you know what I'm saying? Especially down here in Westchester where there really isn't a restriction on the animal that you could harvest, you know? Mm-hmm. Now, you see, you know what's funny is it sounds like you put in more work hunting that private than you do public because you're able, because like it's so true on the restrictions and not even only the restrictions, but just like, I don't, like, I know some people do it, but I don't set up trail cameras on public land because I don't want my shit stolen. You yeah, I've had saying? that happen. 
Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Like it's even I've heard of guys even locking up their trail cameras on on public land, and it still gets taken. And to me, like whether I I get some people are like, oh, just buy a cheap one. It doesn't matter. I spent money on something. Yeah. I don't want it to get taken. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah. That's so, that's the one thing that uh pissed me off last year actually was that on the property that I had lost in Westchester that was private. I actually had set up uh, like two cameras and like you said, they, they were cheap, inexpensive, but it was just something for me to have in the woods to know either a who's coming through there and obviously what deer are in the surrounding area. And uh, yeah, they, they went missing. I asked a few of the neighbors and they said, listen, you know, there's been kids that have been coming through here. So they probably, you know, saw that there was a camera and they didn't want to know that they didn't want you to know that you were, they were on it. So, you know, here we go. My, I lost my cameras. Dang, that's, that sucks, but damn. All right. Well, there's another thing I'm curious to learn about that you just mentioned. Now, when you're on the private land that you hunt, the work you put in, you talked about, you said a food plots. Yeah. So, um, you know, obviously in New York, it's illegal to bait deer, but it's mm -hmm. not illegal to hunt over naturally planted food plots. So, um, there's a few naturally, um, apple orchards that are on his, his land that are just like tucked away in some spots that just, he never planted. I obviously never plant them. They're just there. So we, uh, you know, we take care of that where, you know, we cut back all the dead growth on some of the apple trees and, uh, the throw and grow stuff is just, you know, it's like clover mixed with, um, it's that stuff, alpha, alpha stuff like that. Nothing of like the serious, like food plots where we take care of like, you know, with the tractors and all that stuff which we've mm -hmm. been trying to gear toward that. Um, but it's just one of those things where he's kind of busy at work and that drive for me is almost three hours. So it's like, I'd have to make sure that my weekend is geared just going there, doing that. And that's it, you know, which has been hard lately, you know, balance and work, um, my wife and just, you know, life in general, you know? No, I, I totally understand. I totally understand. But that's pretty, that's pretty cool though. Cause I think you're the first person I've spoken to from new york that has spoken about you know uh putting out food plots oh no well you know what you're the first podcast guest i've had that I've, that's from new york that i've spoken to mm -hmm. this past sunday on opening day for the spring turkey season where i went mm -hmm. to hunt um the my hunting buddy basically took me to a spot where they they do food plots for deer and stuff like that so i, I noticed all this uh, this land, like certain looked different, and he was like, "Hey, here they, you know, they're growing corn, and here's this." I don't remember exactly what they were planting, but it, yeah, plant yeah. but it was a different, different stuff from all over. So that's pretty cool. Dang, yeah, all right. it's, it's it's different, you know. A lot of people, <clears throat> believe it or not, don't do it, um, especially on just having a small acreage of land. Now, I, you know, you can have. 20 acres and do a small little food plot you know and 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 it'll it'll produce deer you know it'll bring them into the area you just have to keep up on it it's definitely you know some work but the way i look at it too is deer season just doesn't happen during deer season it starts after deer season as well you know mm. so it's it's definitely as much as it is a seasonal thing it's definitely a, a yearly process you know all, all the time got it Got it. All right. So now uh, I just mentioned, uh, you know, my opening, uh, my opening day. I know you got out into the Turkey Woods on Sunday and Monday, correct? Yeah. Yes. Yes, I did. All right. How'd that go for you? Well, so 
where I was hunting was up in the Catskills. Um, it was another friend of mine. His name is Doug. His dad has like, I think like 12 acres. Um, this is actually the first time we were actually hunting on his property. Normally, which actually goes back to saying, I don't really hunt a lot of public land. That's actually a lie. I do hunt mm-hmm. DEP land up that way. Uh, reason being it's, it's a small little plot. that's like right down the street and it's like the only actual woods. So I take that back from what I said originally, but that's only like a handful of times a year. Anyway, um, we, he's been sending me videos of like flocks since April of, of birds, like walking up his property. And it seems that they were roosting like at least two, 300 yards from his property line. So, uh, we got up there on, on Friday, um, just to get up there like two days early, just to like, you know, hang out, just do some fishing, you know, et cetera. And, uh, you know, we saw the birds, they were up there on Saturday, Saturday morning, I want to say, yeah, about Saturday morning. So we're like, Oh, good, man. Tomorrow, you know, Sunday, we're going to, it seems like we're going to really, you know, strike out over here. Like this is going to be good, you know? And, um, Sunday morning came, we get out, we get into our spot. Uh, the birds come down out of the roost and my friend's father had visual on them, maybe about 150, 200 yards out. Um, so they start working their way down, but you know, this time of year, it's hard with Turkey season. Um, a lot of guys always say, ah, no, it's easy. It's easy. It's not, you know, these birds are already hemmed up and you can call and call. And sometimes they just, they want nothing to do with you. So that's end up what happening is the birds came down out of the roost and, uh, they followed the hens. They went about, you know, another 150, 200 yards up the mountain and they, they stopped calling. About a half hour later, we heard a, a shotgun go off and we were like, damn, like all that work we thought was going to, you know, pull through with them, you know, responding here and there. And they didn't. They went the complete opposite way. And uh, they zippered up. Birds stopped talking. Obviously, they were spooked. So that hunt was pretty much over around 10 o'clock, which, you know, it sucked because I only really had a date at his place. Mm. Wow. So, all right. So now you have any plans to head out this weekend? Yeah. Um, I'm trying to, I'm thinking about maybe trying to get out on, on uh, mother's day morning, uh, actually in a local spot in Westchester on some DEP land, just because I, I'm not going to be able to make that trek back upstate. Um, I have a wedding tomorrow, so it's kind of like, you know, obviously I can't just jump in the car, get up there and, and hunt and come home. So mm-hmm. I'm actually going to go out with a buddy of mine, Milton, um who, who lives in in Mayapak. we're gonna go on some on some public land which again is like a, it's a first for me because i'm not really not a public land hunter and, and i'll be the first to admit it but uh i figure you know what it's just something to do for the morning really fast and uh and get out there because i don't really have many weekends that i'm available to actually do that truck that drive upstate to the properties that i normally hunt got it got it all right thanks that it's at least you've got i mean it's it's like we both understand like life you know we've we've got spouses you know what i'm saying and so we have families and um i think i was telling you it's my anniversary on saturday and then mother's day on sunday so yeah exactly. I'm, not, I'm not doing any hunting this weekend period yeah i mean like you know like you said too life sometimes gets in the way of a lot of stuff which is you know it's, it's life you know you gotta something's gotta be put first over you know a hobby or or a lifestyle and it's understood, you know, that's, that's for a lot of people, you know, it'd be, it'd be awesome to be a pro hunter, but you know, that's not the life <laughs> we have. <you> know? <laughs> yeah, from your mouth to God's ears, bro, that, that'd be one, all, all it takes is a dollar in a dream, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. 
Um, all right, so I got to ask you, man, because you've been hunting way longer than I have. Is there a hunt that stands out in your memory for you, like maybe your first buck or your biggest buck or a turkey or something like that? Yeah, so uh, actually, I've only harvested uh, a buck, I want to say, two was it two three maybe three years ago actually i think it's three years ago i get confused with all this covid crap so it kind of like messes <laughs> my, it's like i don't know what year it is anymore because we've been like locked in for two years but and i think it was like yeah. three years ago and it was during the archery season and it was october 28th uh, i won't forget that date and um i was up in delaware county on my buddy's property and um he his his land is in east meredith mm. and uh i got up there i want to say it was uh I think it was a Sunday morning, actually. So I was up there Friday afternoon, Saturday morning. I go out and, you know, I did nothing, nothing came by. It was a few does. And I was like, ah, I got a doe tag. I'll let one walk. You know, I can always, always in a sense, get meat if I need to. Um, so I'm, I'm in my spot. I'm in my tree. And um, a few does come in. So, you know, that opportunity kept presenting itself. I had, you know, two nice mature does at 20 yards. And I was like, man, you know, should I just, should I just plug one? Because. You know, there's so many weekends I come home empty handed, but I have opportunities. I was like, you know what? Let me just wait. Let me just wait. So uh, about five, 10 minutes later, about, I don't know, about 80 yards out, I see through some little like saplings, just legs. And I see something walking. So I'm like, all right, I got to be careful about, you know, pulling up my binos because I got these deer like 20, you know, 20 yards in front of me. I don't, I don't want to spook anything. You know, even though you're like 25, 30 feet up sometimes, they, those deer just pick movement like, you know, nothing. Mm. So I'm like creeping up my, my binos and I, and I see like, you know, it's legs of a deer. Now I'm like, all right, well, you know, what is it? It's taking its time coming in. So I'm like, you know what? From all the years I've spent in the woods, I've always was taught or heard people tell me that like, watch the does. They'll always look behind to see what's walking in. If it's obviously another deer, they're not going to get spooked and they won't run out. So I'm just watching the does and um, sure as shit, it was uh, another deer. So I'm like, all right, perfect. And he kept standing behind this one tree and he just wouldn't present himself. So before I could do anything, I, I didn't have my bow ready. I, my, my bow wasn't in hand. It was on its hanger still. So I'm at the time I was hunting in a climber, which I no, I no longer do. I use a hang on now. So I'm like, trying to position myself if i need to grab it to like not hit the rail like you know the whole thing is running through my mind of let me make sure this is an animal i'm gonna harvest so i you know just kept my eyes in the binoculars and uh it was a it was a buck so i only got to see the right side of his of his uh his antlers and i'm trying to sit there and again like i hunt in a restricted area of it's got to be three or more on one side so i'm like all right please let it be at least something you know, a, a six and eight or whatever, and end up being a really uh, like a year and a half old small basket eight. But I, it, my heart was racing, and I was like, you know what? I've spent so <laughs> many time, so much time in the in the woods that I was like, I need to, I, I want to take this deer. So I'm I'm trying my hardest to get my hand up to grab my bow, and I like I said, I got these doe like that are right in front of me, and years ago when I first got into bow hunting and if this is a story that will forever play in my mind, my first time out ever, ever with a bow on the same property, I missed a giant eight pointer at 20 yards. 
like one oh, of the wow. biggest eights. I, yeah, one of the biggest eights I've ever seen on that guy on my buddy's property. I missed them like an, maybe an inch or two underneath them. So like that always oh. was. Yeah, it was one of the most heartbreaking stories. But it was like that story for well, we're, it'll always run through my mind. So I grab my bow and he's walking in and I'm like, all right, good. He's, you know, he's staying broadside. The does know he's there. They don't know I'm here, but I don't want to make any crazy like movement where my tree stand creaks, anything can happen. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they're just, they're not moving. They're there. They're just, you know, eating on the ground. So I said, all right, I'm, I'm taking this deer. So the two, the two doe that were in front of me, they start going quartering away. So they're, they're not facing me anymore they're looking at him so i'm like perfect opportunity so i get my bow i uh you know get my uh release on and i'm like i'm gonna have to take this seat you know this shot seated because i really just can't stand up so now you know if anyone hunts a climber i know you've said in the past in your podcast you hunt from a climber you got that shooting rail that's in front of you so you got to make sure that your cams don't hit that shooting rail you got to have like you know everything over that you're make sure that you're you know you're away from everything so before, before all that, I ranged him. He was at 28. So I'm like, all right, this is, you know, 30 yards should be a chip shot. If that put my 30 yard pin on him, I'm holding. And uh, he goes broadside and he's looking, he's looking forward. He's not, you know, he's not looking at anything. And he, he just stepped forward and he had his, his left front shoulder forward. I said, perfect. Sent an arrow. Wasn't a clean in and out, but it, it, it definitely put a hurt on him. And um, he ran smack dead right into a tree and took off. So now I'm, I'm, I'm shaking. I'm like, Jesus Christ. Like I just sent an arrow. This is like, you know, my first buck. Like I'm, I'm like, I'm really going nuts. So I'm like, I got to calm down. I sit down. So I'm like, I'm trying to see here if he crashes, if, you know, he makes any noise. So I'm just listening and listening, listening. I'm, I'm not hearing anything. So I'm like, damn, I wonder, you know, was it a good shot? Now it's everything's running through my mind. So I call my buddy, Mikey, who's the, one of my good friends whose father owns a property. I tell him, I'm like, dude, I, I, uh, I plugged the dot above. I'm, I'm sorry. I plugged the buck. Um, I'm going to probably need some help tracking because I, I didn't hear him go down. He's like, all right, listen, we'll, we'll give him some time. Let us, you know, let me get over there and we'll look at the arrow. We'll see what happens. So he comes, he comes in and, um, I climb down. I look over, I walk over to where the, uh, the shot was and there's instant blood. So I'm like, all right, good. I walk another like 15 feet and the tree that he ran into the arrow was on the floor and it really wasn't buried as much as I thought it was. So I'm like, damn, I was like, I don't really know if I hit any vitals at this point. So, uh, I, uh, I said, you know what, maybe we should back out on this deer because like, if it's not vitals, then I don't really know. Like we just gotta, we gotta see the blood was really thick. It was really dark red. So I'm saying maybe it's a hard shot. I was like, you know, I, I just, I don't really know. Like if, if it was like a really like penetrating hit. So my buddy had kind of walked a little bit ahead of me. Cause I'm like sitting there contemplating, I'm like, should we track them? Should we track them? My buddy, Mikey goes, Dan, yo, you got to come see this. So I walk over to him and it's like, it's a, the, the tracking was, the easiest tracking I think I've ever done in my life. Cause there was just blood all over the place. Right. So I'm like, all right. That, well, that's kind, of, that's kind of a good sign, right? Yeah. I was like, so I'm like, all right, he's, he's gotta, he's gotta expire somewhere around here. I'm like, there's no way with him bleeding this much that he's, you know, he's not going to expire. So I was like, you know what? I feel confident enough. Let's, let's jump on. 
I'll just jump on this blood trail and let's let's walk it. So we're walking and we're walking and we're walking. And I'm looking at Onyx. I'm like, Jesus Christ. I'm like, how how far did this deer go that like, you know, maybe like it really wasn't such a great shot that I put on. I thought I did. It ended up being like 300 yards that this deer ran. And it's like no exaggeration. I still have the track and wow. on X. Yeah, he actually jumped into another um, adjacent property that led into a field. And um, he he got into the field and it looked like he did like a somewhat like a small figure eight or something. And he ran to a creek that runs through this, the property. Small creek, nothing crazy. So uh, after finding all this like figure eight-ish, like blood, we're standing there and we hear crashing. We're like, oh shit, he's he's close. So he crashed like right into the creek. Like he, if he, if we didn't hear that, we would have probably, I don't think we would have found him to be honest with you. So we walk over and sure as hell, he's laying there. He expired. He was, you know, he was done for. And I was like, man, like, I just felt so relieved after that because I was like, man, I don't want to leave this deer wounded somewhere, you know, or if it is, you know, a good hit, and he ran this far. I was like, I don't want it to, to go to waste. That's one one thing I'm really big on is, you know, if, a, if an animal's wounded or you don't put a great shot on him and he goes and you can't find him, it's like that heartbreaking thing. Like, damn, you know, like I, uh, I didn't, I didn't reap the benefit of my rewards here, you know, and this, this poor animal's out here, you know, dead somewhere. And, and I, and I, I did this, you know? No, I hear you. I hear you. Wow. All right. I see. I, I only hope I can have a story to tell like that soon. <laughs> Cause I, I've yet to kill my first deer. So. Yeah. It's one of those things, man. I'll tell you, uh, the first deer I ever harvested was a, was a, a doe. Um, I took him, I took her with the, with a rifle. Um, and it was actually opening weekend and this had to be, I don't know, maybe, maybe six, seven years ago. And, um, yeah, she, you know, she stepped out into the field and I, and I, 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 uh, put a shot on her. She dropped right where she stood. I was like, Oh shit. I was like, I didn't, you know, I didn't think it was supposed to happen all like that, but you know, it did. Um, and I got out and she actually wasn't, was, um, she was still alive. I, I spined her. I guess I got too excited and just lifted the rifle a little bit and um, I spined her. So I had to, you know, I had to put another round in her, which at the time my grandfather's gun, I wasn't using because the scope had gotten messed up. So I was using a buddy of mine's. Um, it was like a single action 243 and uh, I couldn't find an extra round. So luckily I, uh, I carry a sidearm with me in the woods. I, I have my pistol permit for like, I don't know, like 11 years now. So I had my, uh, my revolver and I had to, you know, put another round in there, but being up close and personal in that aspect, I was like, man, that, that one kind of hit me in the heart, man. <laughs> you know, being like literally like a foot away from her. Nah, I, you. I can only imagine, bro. I can only imagine. Yeah. And thank you for sharing that. So, all right. Yeah. So to, to round this, this episode out, wanted to ask you, all right, first say thank you. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Uh, for volunteering yourself to to help, you know, get this chapter up and running. Um, I wanted to know, what are you hoping? Because, all right, so myself and Angel, uh, all right, for, for the listeners who don't know, you know, we've started a new chapter of the National Wild Turkey Federation here in New York City. Um, there are four of us on the leadership committee, uh, two of which you've already met, 
and that is Angel. Angel and I, you know, kind of rep the city because we're both from Queens. Um, and then you and Dave are out in Westchester. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we're hoping to bring on other other members to, to serve in a leadership role, probably out east, like on Long Island and whatnot, and maybe some more folks up by you. But yeah, yeah. Um, what are you hoping a new chapter, you know, is going to bring to our respective neighborhoods? Uh, for more people to experience the hunting world. Um, you know, some people come from a background where they don't have any hunters in their, in their family and it's something that they're interested in. And, you know, I would say over the years, a lot of people that I grew up with had hunters in their family. So it was just something that's been kind of passed down through those generations, like myself, um, with my grandfather. So it's like one of those things where some people don't, don't have that and they don't know where to turn. So they, get on Instagram or Facebook or even YouTube just to kind of like learn or figure out like how to start this process of getting into it. And me being myself that really didn't have anyone and I was self-taught, I would love to help someone, you know, get involved in that aspect of, of hunting, whether it be, you know, deer, turkey, rabbit, you know, I I would love to do it all and, and help that person get involved in it. Oh, that's that's so dope. You know what? I'm I'm gonna be tapping you for maybe some type of a mentoring program we can establish because I I totally understand what you're talking about from from the new guy perspective. You know, mm-hmm. when I started out, I was I looked more to social media to have questions answered, and it wasn't until yeah. I finally was able to link up with a mentor that mm-hmm. things really started coming together for me. So definitely. Um, uh, I like that. I definitely like that idea. Yeah. And you know, it, the, a big thing too, is especially for Westchester is, um, you don't really hear a lot of people anymore, um, that, that talk about, you know, the hunting, uh, like, you know, groups or anything like that, because it's a, you know, it's a lot of older guys and a lot of those, those programs or those clubs, they kind of diminish because they can't really grab new members. And, you know, it, sucks to say it but the the world isn't really geared anymore toward the you know uh, hunting world itself because of just i don't know like i said lack of uh lack of interest in certain in certain households uh-huh. and there was actually a statistic i read it was a couple oh, it was like a year or two ago that the the amount of hunters that you know don't buy licenses anymore like you know like like lifetime lifetime membership uh lifetime I'm sorry, lifetime uh, hunting licenses. They're like they've not a lot of people do it anymore, you know. And when that time comes, and I'm, you know, a father, the first thing I'm doing is boy or girl, they're getting a, you know, a lifetime hunting license, like I had should have done years ago. But you don't really see that much anymore. So I like to try to start a program or something like, especially this, that it'll that'll get people out more into the woods, brother. Like you, you know, you've said it in your podcast I listened to before, brother. Just starting off at hiking or stuff like that it's just just to get out there and know that there's a whole other world than to you know video games or you know whatever kids do these days i i really don't know but <laughs> there's a there's a whole other world you know no agree agree listen thank you again man i i truly appreciate you volunteering your time i truly appreciate you getting on uh this episode with me yeah man uh, thanks for having me 
No, no doubt. And uh, before we before we quit recording, uh, let everybody know where they can find you on social media. Uh, yeah. So my uh, my hashtag, uh, my hashtag, my my handle on my Instagram is Diz underscore outdoors. Um, and you can you know find me on there. You guys, anyone that needs like you know just a chat questions, you know, feel free to hit me up. You can you can find me on there. Um, I'm a friendly guy, you know, and if, for advice, I definitely would love to give it. Because sometimes, you know, people reach out to certain people and they just, you know, they don't want to be dealt with or they don't want to, you know, they don't want to give up their secret or something like that. I'm I'm willing to help, but I'm willing to, you know, put a hand out. If, you know, if you're willing to go that mile, then I'm ready to take it with you, you know? You bet. Thank you, man. Uh, so y'all heard it. Uh, follow Daniel um, on Instagram. Uh, it's at D-I-Z underscore outdoors. Um, hit him up. You got questions? You curious about something? Yo, hit him up, and he's more than willing to help you out. All right. Yeah. Yo, thank you, Dan. Man, you have a great weekend, bro. You as well, bro. Take it easy and enjoy your uh, your wedding anniversary. Oh, uh, will do. Thank you. All right, y'all. Got to thank Dan uh, for taking the time out to sit and talk with me. Hope you guys enjoyed. Um, basically you know, our conversation and and learning what Dan will bring to the table as, you know, a member of this uh, NWTF chapter. All right. So if you guys are interested in becoming members of the NWTF, I'm going to post a membership link uh, in the show notes for you. Go ahead and click on and just learn more about uh well, you know what? I'm going to post a link for you guys to learn more about the National Wild Turkey Federation. Um, you know, read up on it um, if you're not familiar with it. And I will also post a link for you to become a member if you do become interested. All right. Now, on another note, if this is your first time, you know, listening to this podcast, I really hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, if it, you are a regular listener, follower, subscriber, all of the above, Thank you for coming back every week and, you know, listening to the episode, listening to the show. Um, what I do ask is for some help getting this podcast out there. See, what happens is whatever podcast, whatever podcast platform you use to listen to this, um, it's a lot easier for people to find it, I guess, in their searches. If, you know, you do something like uh, hook me up with a five star rating or even a review. As far as I know right now on the Apple podcast platform, um, you can leave a five star rating and leave a written review on Spotify. I only see um, us having the ability to just leave a, a rating, um, you know, like a, a five star rating as such. Um, so if you get the opportunity um, again, the reason why I mentioned Apple Podcasts and Spotify, because that seems to be the two different platforms, the two most listened to platforms, or the two most used platforms to listen to my podcast that people use to listen to my podcast. So if you can hook me up, if you could go on Apple Podcasts, hook me up with a five star rating and a dope review, I really appreciate it. Um, and the same thing goes with Spotify. Uh, well, at least a five star rating. You know what I'm saying? I really appreciate it. And it goes along it goes a long way in terms of people being able to find the podcast. Alright, y'all. So until next episode, y'all, stay blessed and remember to respect the journey, even when it's not your own.